the other day, by that I mean literally about a minute ago, I recorded my first podcast. Uh, oh man, a deer. That thing is a beautiful specimen. It's all orange. Anyway, as I was saying, I recorded my first podcast, and it was met, I assume, with such rousing success that I just had to do another one. I couldn't say no. Maybe this will be a regular. Maybe I'll become more regular. Like a healthy man's digestive tract. My own digestion is pretty irregular. Maybe this is TMI, what the kids call TMI, but... I'm a regular, you know, and I, I was, it was brought to my attention recently that I need to focus more on my diet, on my health, relating to diet. I gotta tell you, it's stressing me the hell out. I've been reading so much, I've been learning so much, and it turns out, pretty much everything we do in this country is bad for you. Pretty much everything we do in this country makes you sick. What the hell is that? Oh, shit. This is some backed up traffic. Fuck. Well, pardon my frustration. I'm just going to get in the left lane. It's probably going to be slower since that works, but... Shit. Smells like somebody died in a car accident or something. Anyway. Pretty much everything we do makes us sick. Even right now, I'm sitting in a car... Back in the day, back like Jesus times, I'd be walking here to see my friends. And yeah, it's like a 70-mile walk. But so what? It's good for you to take a two-day trip. What the hell's the problem there? Nobody going to get in touch with you? Good. Don't stress. Right now everybody's working on their iPads and their cell phones and their fucking wristwatches. It's on, It's out of control. I just got to say, it's out of control how much we work. Everybody's been tricked, been brainwashed by the man. Now, you might not believe in the man. But let me tell you, I do, and I'll tell you why. Because before we had that there industrial revolution, we had ourselves something else. We had like a sense of identity, you know? Our work had more meaning. You were a farmer. You gave people food. You gave people life. You were a doctor. You healed people. Those things still exist, but they're different. They've changed. You think doctor. You think, man, lots of money, lots of hours at work, and wrapped up in a healthcare system that is honestly some shit. It's not concerned with making people better. It's concerned with making people poorer taking people's money that's all they're concerned about is taking people's money if you don't believe that I don't know maybe you need to look around and yeah I mean I think the individual people like the doctors and the nurses and everybody they care about you to some extent as much as they can in that system they want to make you better but the system don't care about you it's not giving them the tools they need to help you I mean if you think about the VA the veterans hospital that alone. That should be the most efficient health care in the United States. That should be the best insurance you could get. You're like, you're a veteran? Damn, we'll keep you healthy because you offered your life for us. And now we want to keep your life intact since 
since you didn't actually have to give it, but but it's the worst. What's that about? That says something. And it's always been that way. You look back through history, the veterans have always got the shaft. Because they're the pawns. And that's not... I mean, no disrespect. I love a good veteran. I'm not... If it was up to me, you would not be the pawns. But you are. As a police officer, you had to get somewhere in a hurry. They usually do, don't they? But... Yeah, him blasting by in a hurry. I'm stuck here in stop-and-go traffic. It's the greatest irony in the world. <sighs> but... Oh, we got us another one? This is a regular... Knockdown drag-out. wonder what's going on. They're coming for me. <laughs> nah. Fall asleep before I do nothing else. Man, I I got a call before and I screened the hell out of it. I just only screen it. That was a police officer, I believe. They're whipping around. They're getting to this. There must be a car accident. That's why there's such a backup. That's sad. I hope nobody's dead. But if they are, I, you know, that's fine too. Just like alive, check yes or no. There's no real difference, really, is there? I'm just a simple man, but these are the things I wonder about. Like life, is there a point to it? Is it worth living? Maybe not. Is it worth living? But is it worth trying? Cause, I mean, living life is effort, but. It doesn't have to be. I mean, you can kind of just float and coast and sail on the breeze. And when you do that, life feels pretty okay. It feels pretty effortless. But is there a point? You know, is there any reason to try and rev that engine up? Or just, like, pitch the sails and see where you go? Maybe that's what I need to get into. Maybe I've been trying too hard to paddle my boat against the wind, if you know what I mean. Like this lady here, she's in her car smoking a cigarette. I used to smoke cigarettes for maybe like six months. Maybe a little longer. And I almost always hated myself for it. But man, I did it and I enjoyed it too. It's amazing how complex people are, how strange our brains are, where you can hate something but enjoy it so much at exactly the same time. This lady, she's smoking a cigarette, and that that's paddling against the wind, you know? Why is she smoking it? Because she wants to feel good. Because cigarettes make you feel good for, like, a second at least maybe they'll make you feel cool maybe they'll give you that calming rush maybe they'll make you feel like you are a little bit drunk for like five minutes that's kind of how I feel when I smoke a whole cigarette man talking about it makes me want one but 
Luckily, I'm stuck in traffic and can't buy any. They're expensive, especially here, Minnesota. I mentioned that's where I am. And shoot. Man, I was just in the middle of the road while this state trooper was trying to drive through me. He's trying to get somewhere, and I was just blocking his way like an a-hole. It's because I'm distracted by y'all. making traffic quicken up a little bit. I don't know. Luckily, he don't care about me none. He's got bigger fish. I'm just a tiny little minnow to him. And that's, I think, I was talking about health care a little bit earlier. I think that's the problem. When we have systems like that that get so big, whether it's health care or the financial system with banks controlling money, I don't know if you know this. I learned this recently. Banks just invent money out of nothing. You don't believe me, but look it up. They just conjure it. Somebody says, I want a loan. They say, how much you want? And then they just write the money into existence. That's what the Federal Reserve banking system is all about. It's founded on that idea where the banks only need to have like 10% or less even, I don't know, the money that they loan out to people. So someone comes in and says, I want $10,000 loan. If they got $1,000 in the bank from that central banking association or whatever the fuck, they can give you that $10,000 loan based off the 1000 And somebody else comes and says, give me $10,000 loan, they can give them that loan. Where's all this money coming from? No wonder we have inflation every year. No wonder our dollar is so unstable. Man, it's like a chair with three legs. But like, they didn't, they didn't plan to have three legs. You know, it was supposed to have four and then one broke or something. So now it's only got three. It's, a, it's unstable. And these things get so big and so unchecked that the healthcare system, education, Google, you name it, whatever it is, when it gets too big, it don't care about you no more. It don't care about nobody except itself. You're just a minnow to it. You're irrelevant. It is this giant thing, and every individual person is this small, tiny thing. So, of course, it only concerns with itself. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's one of the root problems with this world today. Sorry, I'm just rubbernecking. So I just pulled over, I don't know why. Maybe there's just a car on the side of the road, nobody's in it, it seems like. But it didn't seem like an awful car accident, at least. Also, traffic's still a thing. What's happening? I think a lot about traffic. I spend some time in traffic, and I think about it. I like to think about things that I'm in, like life and the world. You trying to get over? Go ahead, buddy. You dodge? Yeah? All right. I'll just go. It's fine. Same shit. We're both stuck. Um, what really starts traffic? And 
you know, the Asians, they did some research, them Japanese folk. They're real smart people, and they like computers. Of course, that's a stereotype, but also it's pretty true. They like computers, and they uh, they were doing some stuff. I saw it on the Ellen DeGeneres show or Rosie O'Donnell or somebody about traffic and how, how it starts, where it comes from. Because it's like you're driving, you're driving, then you're stopping. Why? Nobody wants to stop. They all want to drive. So why do we stop? That's when you see those brake lights in front of you, right? Somebody has to slow down for some reason. You see brake lights in front of you, and you maybe panic a little bit. You're like, whoa, we're slowing down. I wasn't expecting this. So you, you start braking a little bit sooner than that person did before you. And the person behind you sees it, and they're like, whoa, and they start a little bit sooner still. So everybody's slowing down just a little bit sooner than the person before them, afraid of what could happen, afraid of why warned by this these lights these red lights right now I'm doing it eventually that compounds those milliseconds and nanoseconds compound and add up to hours in traffic thousands and millions of gallons of gas wasted just sitting in traffic like in LA alone can you imagine how much car idling ruining their environment. That's why they got so much smog. Hot gas is so damn expensive. You can bet oil industries don't want to get rid of traffic. They love traffic because that makes them tons of money. You're just sitting waiting. You're captive. You can't do nothing about it. you got to burn that gas. Shit, I wouldn't be surprised if they got people on the road whose sole, idea, whose sole job is getting car accidents. Just slow down traffic. Get people waiting. Waiting around. Well, I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist. I got lots of theories. Most of which involve some form of conspiracy. Let me tell you, it's a big world. People got ideas. They're very driven men. I'm not one of them, but... Shoot, this podcast is the most I can muster. to make an impact on society. There are people who are way more driven than me. Way more concerned with leaving a mark. Or just, like, snatching up what they feel like is theirs. Whether it's money or power or both. I mean, they're really the same thing for the most part. To be fair, I think power is better than money if you had to pick one money, that shit don't mean nothing. Like I said, it's imaginary. It's based off of nothing. It's just paper that says, hey, this paper's not paper anymore. Let's play pretend like it means something. So screw money. Take out a bunch of credit cards. Go crazy. Ruin your credit. It don't matter. Buy a hammock. Call your starter home. You ever need credit? You're sleeping outside. That's okay. Bring a tarp. Basically, be like a tent. You got the right kind of blankets. That's a four seasons thing in 49 states. You got yourself a cheap little car. You can go anywhere. You can do anything you want. Especially, you got a tablet with internet on it. I mean, I'm I'm getting less and less natural, more complicated. But I'm saying, if you want like a normal quote unquote kind of life. You want to be a professional who can wear a suit and tie and say that you're like a 
a dude who makes all kinds of money, you can do that and not have a home. You feel that? You can do that and have no credit. You can do that without experience, really, in anything. As long as you can lie, as long as you can tell people that you belong somewhere and you're confident enough to believe it yourself, you got the world, man. That's power. You can go anywhere. Especially if you're not concerned with no money. You're not trying to pay bills. You're not trying to pay for a house or a fancy car. Like, you just pay it off right away and you had credit card debt, but you're not fucking paying it, so it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't count as bills. And you don't even have to work for money. You can work for influence. You can trade. And a lot of times, you can get way better stuff in trade, way better value than you could with money. People are like, shit, it's not money. I'll give it to you. Give you whatever you want. It's free to them. That's called a win-win when you trade something. Maybe we need to more, more heavily base our economy on that, that bartering. But, you know, banks don't like that. And banks are for lots of rich white guys. I'm a white guy sometimes, but I'm not rich by any means. I'm just a simple man. And in my observations, I got to say, everybody's concern with money is perpetuated by the media, by the educational system, by employers themselves, by everybody else who's already entrenched in the system of money, pretty much by the people who got the money. Since it's just an imaginary thing, it has no real value, they say, hey man, this money's got all kinds of value. You want it, don't you? You need it, don't you? And they gotta convince you that you do, because if they can convince you that, guess what? They got all of it. So, they hold value then. They hold the thing you want. They got leverage on you, and they can make you do stuff. Maybe that you wouldn't want to do. You think them ladies like being pornographic actresses? Maybe a few do, or at least say they do, but, I mean, on a base level, that's kind of degrading. And I don't want to give a lot of judgment, but if you truly enjoy, like, getting off, having people want you to have sex for money, I feel like there's probably some other issues there that stem from other problems. You didn't get loved enough in the right way when you were young. Or even now. I feel like you can fix that stuff, but... You gotta try. Right now, I'm trying to figure out how can we fix this money problem? This thing where everyone's a captive, a slave to money. I went... I was... I went to university. I mean, I'm a simple man, but I went to university. I got a college education, mainly because I didn't know what else to do with my life. I didn't have a clear direction. I didn't have a lot of support when I was young. People who said, this is a talent you have. This is a skill you have. Nobody... Nobody really, or maybe I just didn't hear it, but either way, I feel like nobody really recognized anything I was good at. Maybe it's because I wasn't good at nothing, but 
I didn't know what I wanted to do or to pursue. I didn't know how that worked even. So I was like, all right. Oh, my. I just dropped my, my phone. Microphone. Microphone. I get it. There's a microphone in my phone, regardless. I digress. Nobody told me like what I was good at or that I should pursue nothing or keep at it or try. So I just kind of meandered, you know. I, I did a little of this. I did a little of that. Whatever was like kind of interesting and... A lot of it was fun. A lot of it I liked, but I don't know if I like nothing enough to do it every day, you know? And that was what I thought life was, doing something every day. So, so I went to college. I was like, this is where you figure out what you're supposed to do, right? You figure it out, and they teach you how to do it. And you become a valuable contributing member of society. That was the, the, the pitch that I was given. It's the pitch that you're still given today, I promise. If you're, if you hear any kind of recruiting talk or read them booklets, it's like, be relevant. Over and over, they're just shouting, be relevant. You know? I want to be relevant. We all do. So I went to college. I killed the time. And I don't regret it. I met my best friends there. In the whole world, I met all my best friends. And I had wonderful years. Four great years there. Believe it or not, I graduated on time. Unlike almost everybody in the whole world. It seems like they got you going for longer and longer now. They got to keep you paying, right? But I went, and when I got out, I realized the joke was on me. It's like I didn't spend a lot of effort. And that's, you know, that's my choice. That's my fault, if you will. I don't know if I regret it, because I had fun. I regret it in the sense that I could have learned more. I could have been more relevant, made that time more important in that way in the in the way that's monetarily valuable but I made memories which I guess is pretty alright and I got out and I realized I was I was a modern indentured servant remember learning about them back in your grade school days that's what I learned about junior high indentured servitude people in the it's funny, you think about history class, how many times you learn about the Europeans coming over on the Mayflower, that whole story. You hear that story about 15 times before you're done with the public school system. What's that about? The one they want you to really remember. Anyway, I do remember it. It worked. They did something right because, man, it's in my head. them indentured servants, the people that were over there, and they wanted to go to the new world. They're like, this place is better. Everyone's telling me this this grass is greener than mine, so I gotta get there. I gotta check it out and see what it's all about, right? Ooh, that's humanity. That's normal. 
to wonder what's beyond the horizon and have hope that's something better than you've seen already. Because if you know there's nothing better than what you've already seen, then, I mean, what's the point of waking up? You've seen all the best things there are, and everything's just going to be like a repeat. So I was a young high school man, graduate, I guess still in high school because they make you make all these choices when you're in high school, which is foolish. It's part of the system. You're you're young, you don't know no better. You can't really make decisions that make any kind of sense. You're still thinking with your dick. You're still thinking with the rules that people put on you like, I got to get a lot of money, that's how I'm successful, or I need to make a difference, that's how I'm successful. So I was that, that high school kid, and I was being offered this promise of go to college, there's a better world on the other side, there's greener grass, you get jobs, you'll probably get laid a bunch, you'll learn, you'll find yourself, all that. And I mean, some of those things did happen. But when I got out, I got to tell you, there wasn't no job there waiting. I spent several months as an intern, not getting paid for a few different places. Just just doing it, putting in my, paying the dues, if you will, that, uh, that I thought I had already paid with my tuition. I thought tuition was my dues. I thought the, the work I put in to get A's, be it limited, was my dues. But I learned that's not the case. The the education's not so much what matters, it's the experience, and that's how they get you. That's why I think this is all a cabal. I'm not sure what that word means, but I heard people say it, and this sounds like it's right, feels right at least. It's a cabal between the education system and employers. And together, they're like, hey, let's convince everyone they need a college education, because then you colleges, like, so this is how it works. Employers will say, oh, sorry, we won't hire you for the good jobs unless you got a college education. And then the colleges say, well, everybody needs a college education now, so we're going to hike up our tuition rates like 10,000%. Maybe that's overstating it a bit, but I know for a fact that 10 years ago, in maybe it was about 20 years ago, a tuition at the school I went to was for the whole year was about $900 and for one semester I paid about 10000 so you tell me how that makes sense and I know people I know plenty of people like just ask some of them older folk around you how much it cost when they went to college if they went not everybody went that's the thing that makes no sense too is that fewer people went back back then and it was still cheaper so what's that about like as many people they're getting they have more customers you know so it seems like they'd be able to cut you a deal but no they're they got a monopoly on the system everybody needs that post-secondary education so they ramp it up and now it's like you get out of school and you're lucky if you only got forty thousand dollars in debt that makes you a lucky person to have forty thousand dollars in debt well forty thousand dollars that's like We'll say the salary of a college, we'll say intro salary, 30000 because I don't, 
I know some people who make more than that, but honestly, like most people I know, they're making like in there, the 30s. At least right away. If they get lucky, that's what they got. Like, otherwise, they're working at Starbucks, you know, and you don't get no salary then. You just got your $10 an hour or whatever in the tips. Maybe it's even better, I don't know, but you have a $30,000 salary, that's, and that's like, doesn't, so you have to live on that, first of all, you gotta pay rent, you gotta pay off, like, other bills, like food and stuff, and then you gotta pay off your loans, too, so, the, the system we got says that, like, oh, well, if you're paying off loans for, like, 20 years, then I guess you can be done, but that means that, a lot of people are probably paying for about 20 years. They're indentured servants for 20 years. And this isn't even the end of it. So, like, you got to pay that, right? You got to pay this thing, so there's pressure on you. But then you get out of school, and employers are like, well, sorry. We said that you needed an education to get hired, but really what we meant was you needed experience. We could give two shits less what your education is. It's just if you know how to do it, and if you have the right attitude. That's really what employers want almost all the time. And I, of course, didn't say that. So now that you got all this debt on your back, you're crippled by it, you gotta, you gotta roll in these internships, these unpaid internships to get experience so you can get like an entry-level job that gives you your 30K a year just so you can pay the minimum payments on your loan. And then you'll be paying interest up the ass forever too like the government's involved also that's what I don't understand is the government will give no interest loans to banks then borrow the money back from the banks at 3% interest so essentially they're saying we'll give you a free loan and we'll pay you interest to banks the people responsible for bringing us to the edge of economic collapse on a global scale. Let me emphasize that it's global. And then they charge like 7 or 8% interest to broke-ass kids who got tricked into going to school and who didn't even really get taught how to do anything. Maybe they got taught how to learn, but really, with that translation... They got taught how to listen to other people's ideas. Or another translation, they got taught how to be sheep. They got taught how to not think for themselves, how to hear what other people have said and say that's the right answer, instead of thinking what is the right answer. And that's like the best education you can get. Let me tell you, that's just free. So, these things weigh on me. I mean, I'm just a simple man. I don't know how to fix none of this. There's this lady. She's over in the East Coast. Her name's Elizabeth Warren. She's pretty smart. She's trying to help college kids not have to pay so much for school. I think that's good. Especially when, like, all right, I mean, you think about the budget for this country, if you look at it, obviously, so much of it is for military spending, and I'm, I'm all about guns and killing people, like, I think that's, you know, there's a place for that, 
but I'm kind of in the camp of one Mr. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, he was maybe like a, a whatever kind of president, but if you look at his his address when he left office, his final goodbye to the country, he was talking about this thing called the military-industrial complex. I think we he was so far ahead of his time, he, he knew exactly what was going to happen, and it did happen. It was this this problem after World War II. Before World War II, we didn't have a standing military. We didn't have people who were just soldiers all the time. We didn't have all these like aircraft carriers and planes just ready to go. We weren't like deploying troops every two days. Because that's a problem when you got a standing military. It gets so rooted in the fabrics of society. It gets rooted in the the economy, like the local economy, the global economy. Like local politicians won't vote against war because it'll close down. <laughs> Let me tell you what I learned about. So the people who make like the airplanes or the aircraft carriers or the tanks, you name it, anything essentially. Then people who make that stuff, their factories are split up all over the United States. Like they've got, they got a factory to make the tank treads in Arizona, and then they got another factory to make like the the little hatch doors in Minnesota, and then they got another factory, you know, to make the wheels or whatever the hell tanks use in Alaska. Why do they do that? Why do they split it all up? Because then they got all the senators from every state saying no. Uh, let's let's not close this factory because we'll lose jobs and that's that's all my constituents care about is their selves, their own money, their monetary gain or not that sounds selfish. It's more monetary security. You know that's the the story they've been told over and over is if you don't have money, you're insecure. You're you're in danger. You're not going to survive in the world without money. But let me tell you, you can. I'm doing it, kind of. And there's ups and downs, and it's easier sometimes than others, but money is just this lie, this ultimate manipulation. Uh, There's this great teacher, uh, his name was Jesus, and he said that money, I don't know if he said this exactly, I might be paraphrasing, but... I've read them Bibles, and a few times he talks all the time, actually. He talks about money. He says, don't worry about money. There's nothing that's going to come between you and happiness faster than worrying about money. Money is the root of all evil. Whoa, that's heavy. That's saying something. Think about that. So, I'm here trying to, it's funny, because with this, you know, with with this whole thing, I'm talking about money and its distressing nature, and yet I'm so concerned about it myself, I'm trying to find a job that I like, that'll pay me enough to live where I want to live and buy the kind of food I want to eat. 
that's something else I'm talking about is the systems that harm us that are out of control and not they're meant to be there for our benefit right like the food industry anything with an industrial complex behind it the food industrial complex now we got ourselves it's this problem because a lot of people so many people if you look up the numbers there's millions of people in this country that don't have any kind of access to fresh healthy food that's an important thing that's real important have healthy food it makes me wonder you know like uh, how to get this way how to get to the point where the default food for kids to eat is mac and cheese and you read the ingredients and there's no cheese in it and there's barely any mac it's just like aluminum triglyceride and flamba plop and flamba nine. what's that what are these things we're eating do you even know do you even know what you put in your body today can you pronounce all the things you consume and if you can't what's up with your water is it clean probably not is it filtered probably not enough if it is how about your air there's never an end to it to the to the assault on our health and our livelihood from all sides in this country it's our lifestyle is not made to be sustainable our lifestyle is not born out of any sort of natural processes well shit I think I'm lost there's the airport I'm all kinds of confused sorry I'm driving and you know I get to talking and Maybe I missed my exit. Maybe I missed my road sign. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to have faith. Here's 55. We're good. It's all good. That's the thing I hate most about driving unfamiliar places. It's exciting, but also it's stressful because I see... I know which way I'm supposed to go. I know where I'm supposed to turn. I'm like, did I pass it? I don't even know. That's why I worry. Do I got to turn around? Because if I turn around too soon and I didn't pass it, then... I'm never going to get there, you know? It's like, oh, if I just kept going, I would have seen it was in front of me the whole time. That's the scariest thought. Now, if you think about that, if you translate it to life, if you make a life, a life analogy like that. Shoot, man. That can be some scary stuff, you know? Think, man, did I turn off too soon? Think about that with relationships. Did I bail? too early did I give up too soon what could have been or with jobs I give up too soon or with a diet it's like this could heal me but I gave up too soon scary thought wonder about those at night those don't leave that's why I'm trying to trying to drive on even if I'm not sure even if I think maybe I passed it I want to drive on until I know I know where I am and which way I'm going.
I think there's value in that. Just finding a direction and sticking with it, no matter where it brings you. Hmm. I hope y'all don't get sick of my musings. I I like to talk when I drive. I like to talk to myself when I drive, but sometimes I feel a little bit insane. You know, I make myself giggle too much when I don't have a microphone on me. This way I can feel a little bit less crazy. Maybe more crazy. I don't know. Is it crazy to hope for good things? Dickens would say no. I know I talked about Dickens earlier. I never really read any Dickens, but I was on the Internet. He died today. His anniversary of his death. I don't know why we celebrate those things. kind of something to think about, but not right now. Anyway, he was saying that. Uh, I don't remember what he was saying. I don't know. I'm getting distracted. I'm trying to drive here. There's people doing all kinds of crazy maneuverings. I got stoplights to worry about. I hope I'm not mumbling too much. I hope y'all can hear me. Can really hear what I'm saying? Because I want to be heard. Don't we all? Right? Don't we all just want to be heard? A little bit? I don't know. I'm in rush hour traffic. And I gotta tell you, I love the back roads. Even if they take a little bit longer. It's worth it. Take the back roads when you get a chance. Because, man, you'll see cool things. Things you didn't even know were there. See all kinds of beauty and wonder. Yeah, you might get frustrated. But that's how you learn to stand on your own, you know? is You go off the normal path and you have to find a way through. You just have to keep going so you get to where you're trying to go. And there's no easy way sometimes. Sometimes you get off route and you don't know where you are. And then you got to stop and ask for directions. you got to be humble. And daring. And adventurous. That's what life's about. Feel that? You think that's... I don't think that's wrong. I think that's really what life's about. Is just trying to figure out where you want to get to take the back roads I know it's kind of hokey normally I don't like being hokey but you know life's all kinds of things sometimes it's hokey there's nothing wrong with that we're all trying to be so serious and so profound so artistic or whatever you are trying to be Try to be special. Try to identify with that thing that you want to identify with. So you don't want to be hokey. No. God forbid. But there's a value in just calling the shovel a shovel. I wonder about historical markers when I drive by them. I always wonder how many people anybody's actually just making a stop to see that marker. You know, like they made a trip 
to see whatever it is there because their granddaddy died at that spot defending that bridge or whatever it was. I don't always think like that exactly, but I mean, it certainly is interesting. Man, I'm going through a tiny little town, Mendota. Tiny little town. You know, the tiny towns have the most character. Whether that's good or bad, that's eh, not necessarily true. I mean, the cities have character, too. So, I take that back. But the tiny towns have a different kind of character. Something they all share and ways they're all unique. Just like all things, I guess, but I'm just from a small town. Oh, alright. Looks like the road's closed. <laughs> That's kind of funny, because guess what? Nobody mentioned that anywhere. There were no signs. I've been driving for like two miles since the last highway juncture, and nobody put up no signs about the road being closed. There's one sign 20 feet away that said, Road work ahead. Road closed ahead. Damn. Anyway. That just blows my blood. That happens all the time. People don't sign stuff right. It doesn't seem like it's that hard. And I know there's like an art to it. But. Hire an artist to do it. Damn. Figure it out, people. I need to know where I'm going. We all do. We got places to be, and I'm in no rush. And I saw, you know, I got to drive through this little town, which is great. But also, I would have taken a different way if I had known. And I'm seeing people drive by, and guess what? I bet they're trying to get through, too, and they can't. So, I don't know, that's something to think about. If you're a city planner, get that shit right. Put up the signs where they gotta go, you know? Now I gotta take this other route I'm not familiar with. That's okay. 55 to 5, lots of 5s involved, so that should be fun. Now that's what I'm saying is, when you take the back roads, you don't know what you're gonna get. I thought I was going to run up a different way, and I can't go that way now, so I got to go a different way. I got to be creative. It'll probably be all for the good. I get to stop at my friendly little co-op, buy me some grass-fed kefir. I don't know if y'all know what that is. It's like yogurt. It makes me feel so good. It's the champagne of dairy, as all the marketing materials try and tell me. And man, it worked. <laughs> Shit, I went west. I wanted to go east. Oh, man. I'm going all kinds of wrong directions. This is frustrating. But, hell, I'll get there. It's fine. I'll have to turn around. I'll have to go all kinds of directions. But I'll get to see this damn countryside, at least. This is a pretty cool bridge I'm about to go across. Oh, man, this is... I'm, you know, I... I take it back. As much as I was, hey, this is the right way. Well, shoot. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, west and east. I always do that. Do you do that? You do, don't you? 
West and East. I back them up all the time. Left and right, same deal. Since I was a little kid. I remember the right is the one you write with. So as I think about, where's my pencil go? Right. But I wanted West. I thought I wanted East, man. You know, it's times like this where I feel like I got something good looking out for me. I don't know if y'all believe in, like, God or, like, guardian spirits or even intuition. But I do. I believe in them things. I think they're kind of all the same name for different things. Or, sorry, let me, I misspoke. Different names for the same thing. God's just real big. Intuition's just this really big force. It's our it's our connection with the unseen, you know? With the knowable but the unprovable. Maybe it's provable and we just haven't figured it out yet. That's kinda what some of them physicists are trying to do with them that big old hadron collider running atoms into each other. Just trying to understand what's up with what learn about quarks and anti-quarks and making up antimatter and space to make our equations make sense. You know, that's all great. Science is science is fun and it's uh it's super interesting to try and figure out what's going on in our world and how it all happens. But I'll be damned if there's one scientist, one scientific discovery that ever answered why. And maybe I just ain't seen it. Maybe nobody showed me. But if it can answer why, like the base. Because you know little kids, they love asking why. Why is that? That little kids love why so much. Because they're curious. They want to know. They want to know about stuff. And why is the most powerful question. It's the most important question. To ask and to be answered. I think at least, I don't know, it's the most mysterious question, at least everything else you can figure out, everything else we can answer, but when you say why, it's like, well, why is the sky blue? And, like, well, light refracts off a little droplet, makes it blue, because that's the frequency of water, or what have you, whatever sciencey thing you want to say. And then they say why? And then immediately, like, two questions in, you go, well, shit, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I know how. I know how it's blue. I know why it's blue on the first level. But I don't know why it is that way. I don't know why the factors are such that it aligns to be blue. And it's like, why do we breathe? Well, because we need air to live. Why? Well, shoot, you got me. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because we adapted that way just from from the composition of the world that we were in. But you can just keep going down this rabbit hole. Why, why, why? And you'll see that within like one or two levels of questioning, it gets pretty, pretty interesting. It's pretty mysterious. 
it stays that way. It just gets more mysterious the more you ask. So I think that if I'm going to leave y'all with anything, it's to just think. I know that's that's kind of my theme, right? To think, to say why, to question stuff, whether it's money or healthcare, whether you got somebody's like, your insurance company won't cover you because you got a pre-existing condition and they're the healthcare providers, the ones who are supposed to be providing you with healthcare. That's why you pay them their insurance because they're supposed to ensure that you're going to be covered, right? That's coverage to cover you like a blanket. And they won't pay your bills. They won't cover you anymore because it turns out you're actually sick. Well, how does that make sense? You got to say why. And then pretty soon you'll see the answers because it's not profitable. And you realize that profits are the goal of the insurance companies, not not covering you, not protecting you. That's not nobody's goal. Except your parents, except your spouse, except your friends. Those people are important. More important than what your insurance is. More important than what your job is. More important than what your bank account says. It's who you got around you. Who, when you don't got no money anymore, people are going to say, stay with me. I got two. I got a whole loaf of bread. You have half. I got two fish. You have one. You know? I got plenty of side, plenty of room on my side of the bed. Stay with me. Anyway, uh, I got to stop at my co-op and buy me some of that delicious kefir because I got bacteria, all kinds of out of alignment inside my belly, and I'm trying to fight the good fight, you know, help them, help them wage war against the mean old nasty gross bacteria, so I got to give them the good stuff, that fermented, happy, creamy, awesome, grass-fed bacteria. I don't know, maybe it's just a delusion, but it made me feel better, so I'm going to... I'm going to stick with it. I'm also by a playground not wearing a shirt. This is probably a sex offense. I got to go quick. Anyway, have a great all kinds of time and days. Later.